We hope you like this Resurrection Oakland Church podcast. Unauthorized use of any part of this copyrighted material for redistribution or duplication is not permitted without prior consent from Resurrection Oakland Church. To learn more about our church and its charity and mission work in and around Oakland, California, please visit our website at www.resoakland.com. Well, let me welcome all of you. Actually, yes, you guys, wonderful music. I'm supposed to pray. Let me pray for us real fast. Um, God, thank you that you have brought us here, and Christmas tells us that you are not a God who has remained aloof. You have not stayed distant. You have not kept quiet, but you have spoken. You've spoken through your Son, and you have come near to us in Him, and we pray that you would draw near to us now, wherever we find ourselves in this room tonight. We bring so many different stories. We come from so many different places, but we're all in the same place, and that is we need to hear from you desperately, more than we even need to know. So we pray that you would come and speak to us now in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, My name is Brent, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to welcome all of you tonight, especially those of you who are visiting with us for the very first time. Uh, Maybe this is your first time in church in a really long time. Maybe this is your first time in church ever. And uh, we are so glad that you're here, no matter where you are on the spectrum of belief. Uh, One of the things that I love most about Christmas is watching all the old Christmas movies. And there's so many of them. Elf. Home Alone, The Grinch, Die Hard, this is a Christmas movie, Um, uh, but I think the funniest Christmas movie actually is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and this, I'm not endorsing this by the way as a pastor, but I just, I'm using it as an illustration. Uh, Do you remember this movie? So there's this really great line at the end of this movie uh, that uh, Clark Griswold, who is um, played by Chevy Chase, And, you know, the whole, if you're not familiar with the movie, basically Christmas has been an utter disaster for this family, okay? But at the end of the movie, everything's kind of resolved, and Clark Griswold is out, he's out standing in his front yard with his family, the whole house is like lit up, it's so tacky with Christmas lights, and he looks at his kids and he says, see kids, Christmas means something different for everyone, and now I know what it means to me. Now... That's actually a pretty good summary of the way that our culture thinks about Christmas. Christmas means different things to different people. Uh, For some people, Christmas means time with family and friends. For others, it means a time to be generous and and to give. Uh, For others, you know, Christmas is a time to feel inspired and hopeful about life. Um, But I want you to know something. This is not at all the way the Bible talks about Christmas. Christmas was never meant to mean different things to different people. Christmas was intended to mean the same thing for everyone. The same thing for all people. And you say, well, okay, well, what is that? What is that? What does it mean? What is the meaning of Christmas? Um, we learn the answer to that question tonight in a single sentence in this passage. 
In a single sentence, Christmas is defined. And it's not defined by Mary or Joseph or the shepherds or any other human, actually. It is Christmas defined by an angel. And it comes in verse 10, actually. The angel says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. What is the meaning of Christmas? According to this angel, according to the Gospels, according to the New Testament writers, Christmas means three things. It means good news, it means great joy, and it's for everyone. And that's what I want us to just look at briefly here tonight. Um, Let's look at each of these. First, Christmas is good news. Now, this word, this phrase, actually, good news, it's, it's actually in the Greek, it's one word, and it's the word gospel. Uh, the angel literally says, I bring you gospel, and the word gospel is a very, very important word in the New Testament. It shows up over a hundred times, okay? That's kind of a lot in the New Testament. Um, and when mo- most of us hear that word gospel, we think, oh, that's like a very churchy word. That's like a very religious word. Um, I want you to know something. Uh, That's not how it started out, actually. What what historians tell us is that the word gospel was used all over ancient literature in the secular world, not just in the ancient religious world, but in the ancient secular world. So I'll give you an example. In the first century, um, when, uh, when Caesar Augustus, was coronated as emperor of Rome. There was an announcement that went out. We have this written down you know, in, in record books, and the announcement said this. It said, this is the beginning of the gospel of Caesar Augustus. The word gospel was a technical term that was used to announce a great historical event. It was a way of saying, I am telling you something that has actually happened in history. Now, why does this matter? Uh, Many people think of the Christmas story like they think of a fairy tale. You know, just another story that begins with once upon a time. Um, And there's two things that are true of every fairy tale. Number one, we know that fairy tales aren't true, right? Sorry if I'm breaking anyone's heart tonight. We know that they're not true. And second, we know that even though they're not true, there are these principles and morals that we take away from them that we think are helpful in life. So I'll give you some examples. Principles like always tell the truth. That's Pinocchio. Be kind to others. That's Cinderella. Uh, Never judge people by the outside. That's Beauty and the Beast. Uh, Be true to yourself. That's Frozen and Aladdin and basically every other movie that Disney has made for the last 25 years, okay? And see, this is how many people come to the Christmas story. They say, and maybe this is you, you say, this did not actually happen. It's a fairy tale, but there are some wonderful life lessons that we can take from it about love and and, and, and forgiveness and hope. 
But you see, this passage will not let you do that. It does not begin with once upon a time in a land far, far away. Now look how it begins in verse 1. It begins, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. This is the exact opposite of a fairy tale. And you see, Luke and the angel and the rest of the New Testament is saying, this is not made up. This is not a legend. This is actual history. This actually happened, which means that the whole point of the Christmas story is not to give us some good morals or some good principles or some good advice on how to live a better life. No, the whole point of the Christmas story is good news. It's news. See, good advice says, here are some things you should do in the future. But good news said, no, good news says, here is a report of something that has already happened in the past. Now, what is the angel saying has happened? He's saying Christmas happened. God has come into the world as a human being in real space, in time, in history. And I know that some of you in this room tonight, you think to yourself, I could never believe that. That sounds like a fairy tale. But let me ask you a question. How is it that Christianity went from basically not existing ever to in the first century spreading like wildfire, basically overnight, and changing the course of human history for the last 2,000 years? Was it because Jesus showed up and said, good advice, turn the other cheek. Good advice, don't commit adultery. Good advice, always tell the truth. See, is that why people started following him and worshiping him, even if it meant being thrown to the lions? Was it because of good advice or was it because of good news? Was it because God broke into human history and people touched him and they heard his teachings and they witnessed his miracles and they, had, they met him and they had their lives changed by him. And they saw him die on a cross. And then three days later, they saw him walking around. And so their only rational option was to follow him and worship him. You know, C.S. Lewis says, this is why Christianity, you basically have two options with Christianity. He says, it's either of ultimate value or it is of no value. But the one thing it cannot be is of some value. See, either it didn't happen, and it's the biggest hoax in human history, and you should have nothing to do with anything that Jesus said or taught, if that's the case, or it did happen, and if that's the case, the only rational choice you have is to center your life around him. Now, when you center your life around him, you know what it promises you? Great joy. Great joy. Some of you think that religion is all about limiting your joy. No. No. The angel says, good news of great joy. See, because Christmas is good news, because it's true, because it really happened. 
It can bring joy into your life. Now, what is this joy that this angel is talking about? Well, first, it's joy for sinners. The angel says in verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And the idea that Jesus would come as a Savior implies that you and I are broken, messy people who need saving. Uh, You're probably going to open some gifts tomorrow morning. Imagine that you opened a gift and it was from one of your family members or from a friend, and it was a book. And the title of the book was How to Not Be a Narcissist. That's a pretty, that'd be a pretty sad gift to get from somebody who knew you well. You know, and then imagine that you get another gift from another friend or another family member, and it's an electric nose hair trimmer. Okay, what, what, at this point, what your friends and family are saying to you is, you are a very self-centered person, and you have hair growing out of weird places on your body. And you see, here's the point. I, you know, I thought that would be funnier for you, but it's Christmas Eve, trying to break the ice, everybody's feeling a little tense in here tonight. Okay, we can laugh. It's Christmas Eve. Um, here's the point of the illustration. Some gifts are hard to receive because they force you to admit your flaws and your failures. And you see, there is no gift harder to receive or there's no gift that forces you to admit, let me say it this way, there's no gift that forces you to admit your flaws and weaknesses like the gift of Jesus as Savior. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor, and he was also a dissident of the Nazis, and he came up with a plot to actually have Hitler assassinated, and they caught him, and Hitler sentenced him to death Uh, Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer spent his last Christmas alive in a prison cell outside of Berlin. He said he realized that Christmas that prison was the perfect place to celebrate Christmas. He said it's the perfect place to celebrate Christmas because your cell is locked from the outside. You can't free yourself. You can't let yourself out. You need someone from the outside to come and save you and set you free. Christmas means you cannot save yourself. You cannot fix yourself. You cannot make yourself right with God. It says that it took nothing less than God coming into this world to live the life we should have lived and to die the death we should have died in order to save us and redeem us. Now, I've lived in Oakland since 2006, which means I've lived here long enough to know that what I just said to you is not a very popular thing to say in this city in 2022. But what I want you to think about tonight is that embracing this reality about yourself, that you are a broken, messy person, who needs not just a little bit of help, but you need rescue from God. Embracing that reality about yourself is actually the pathway to joy in your life. See, it's the pathway to joy in your life because it means that Christmas is not good advice for people who think they have it all together. No, no, no. Christmas is good news for people who know that they don't. At the end of the day, every other religion is rooted in good advice 
Every other religion says, do these things, follow these laws, follow these rules, live this life, and God will love you and accept you. And you see, what that does is it makes God's love for you based on what you do. But Christianity is entirely different. It is entirely different. It's not based on good advice. It's based on good news, which means God's love for you is not based on what you do for him, but it is based on what he has done for you. Something that has already happened. He came into this world. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. And you see, when that sinks in for you, you know what happens in your life? Joy starts to bubble up. Joy starts to bubble up because you, 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 you begin to understand God loves me unconditionally. I have done nothing to earn it or to merit it in any way. It's not because I've been good and tried hard and, and, and done all the rules and followed all the laws. No, God loves me unconditionally. It is undeserved and there's nothing that I could ever do to lose his affections. Joy how about this? Joy, because you may feel overlooked by the world, but you are not overlooked by God. Joy, because you may feel rejected and unloved and unlovable by others, but you are deeply loved by God. Joy, because you have the full approval of God, the most important person in the world, and so therefore you are free from living for the approval of others. Joy for sinners, but not just joy for sinners. It is great joy for those who are sorrowful. You know, we, we have gotten Christmas so wrong culturally. We think that Christmas is for happy people. Uh, we sing about how it's the most wonderful time of the year, actually. But the reality is, is that for many people, and maybe you, it is the saddest time of the year. It is where we were reminded, most reminded, of everything that we've lost. Jobs, relationships, marriages, people we love. It's where we're most reminded of grief and pain and unmet expectations in life. That's what Christmas is for many people. And I want you to know that, that in contrast to our cultural notions of Christianity, that is actually much more similar to the first Christmas. Uh, the first Christmas when you read about it in the Gospels, was not a bunch of happy people. No. It was, if you really read the story, you know what you find? You find a big ball of brokenness and pain and sadness and misery and evil. Let me just give you some of the things that show up in the Christmas accounts. Infertility, divorce, shame, mass murder and genocide, Refugee families that are torn apart from one another. Injustice, doubt, violence, abandonment, and the list goes on and on. 
You see, some of us, we come into this room tonight with deep tears. And I want you to know something. Christmas is not for happy people. Christmas is for hurting people. It is for people who are in the midst of great suffering and great sorrow and great sadness. And it is for people who are longing for joy. See, notice when the the angel doesn't say, I bring you good news of great happiness. No, the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy. You know, happiness is something that can be here today and gone tomorrow. But joy is something that can begin today and grow for the rest of your life. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy transcends them. Happiness can't account for suffering and sorrow, but joy can. Happiness gets pushed out when life gets dark. But joy... Joy can live and even thrive in the midst of darkness. And you see, how, see, that is the joy that every single person in this room wants. I don't care where you are in terms of belief in Christianity. Every single person in this room wants a joy that can transcend our pain. And you say, how is this joy possible? Well, let me ask you a question. When God showed up at that first Christmas, when he showed up in the world, when did he arrive? He did not arrive in the daytime. He did not arrive when all was well. He did not arrive when it was light outside. You know when he arrived? In the darkness. And Wendell Berry, who's a great author, he he sums up the first Christmas like this. He says, it got darker and darker and darker, and then Christ was born. Christmas means that joy is possible because there is a God who shows up in our darkness. He does not promise that you won't have dark moments in life. He promises that he will be with you in them, and this ought to be of such hope and comfort for us tonight. Because it means that God sees your tears, and God knows your pain, and God hears your cries. And that is a tremendous hope and comfort. But you know what? Here's the reality we need more than that. And the good news is that we have more. Because Christmas says, Not only do we find a God who not only promises to be with us in our darkness, but we find a God who promises to one day end it. In Matthew chapter 1, in Matthew's account of Jesus' birth, uh, it says that the wise men saw a star in the east. And that that star was a sign that Christ had been born. Now, think about this. Why a star? It's kind of interesting, isn't it? I mean, God could have chosen all sorts of different signs, but he chose a star. And I think it's interesting that a star would be the sign because do you know the last title that is ascribed to Jesus in the whole Bible? There's a lot of titles that are given to Jesus throughout the Bible. We've been looking at them actually all during this Advent season. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
Then you come to the Gospels, and it says that Jesus is the bread of life. And he's the good shepherd. And he's the Alpha and Omega. See, but the last title that is given to Jesus in the whole Bible shows up, actually shows up on the very last page of the Bible. It's in Revelation chapter 22, where he is called the bright morning star. The the, the morning star is the star that comes at the peak of the night. When when the morning star shows up in the sky, uh, it's still... It's still night. The darkness is not yet over. But it is a sign that morning is on its way. See, and so it is with Christmas. Jesus came into the darkness of our world so that one day the darkness will be no more and everything sad will come on true and all things will be made new. And you see, right now, the darkness, friends, it is still here. Christians, we look at the world and we say, this is not the way things are supposed to be. The darkness is still here, but that is not the end of the story. Morning is on its way. My dad passed away a little over four years ago. And I still think about my dad almost every day. I especially think about him at Christmas. And I remember uh, at his funeral... I was commenting to a friend about what a strange world we live in. You know, what a strange world that we live in a world where joy and sorrow can coexist. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, there are moments in life where where things are so good and there is so much joy. And then literally, like in the next instant, there can be so much sadness and so much sorrow, and so much grief. And I was, I was commenting on this to him, and he said this to me. I wrote this down, because I thought, I never want to forget this. He said, I think one of the great blessings of heaven is that when we feel joy, we won't always be waiting for the other shoe to drop and the next suffering or sorrow to happen. And all we will have forever and ever is joy. See, Christmas says morning is coming. A day is coming where all we will know is great joy. And the promise of that joy is what God offers to every single person in this room tonight. Because the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy for all the people. Not good people. Not moral people, not nice people, not religious people, not people who have made all the right decisions in life, not some people, but all people. That means that it's for anyone. This joy is for anyone. It is for anyone who who knows themselves as a sinner in need of rescue and looks to Christ. And for anyone who knows great sorrow and longs for the day when it will be no more. See, and you may be here tonight 
And you may think that you have too much sin in your life for God to love you. Or you have too much sorrow in your life for God to give you hope. But Jesus offers you a joy that is bigger than your sin and it is bigger than all of your sorrow. Because it is a joy that says no matter how messed up you are, no matter how wrong you have gotten it in life, there is a God who can love you and welcome you and accept you. And it says that there is, no matter how dark life feels, there is a God who is with you and will one day make all things new. And if, if you're sitting here thinking, well, that sounds like a fairy tale. It would be, were it not for the good news of Christmas. You see, whether you're here tonight and you are convinced, whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're trying to figure out if you ever could be, the invitation for all of us is the same. You know what the invitation is? It is to receive and believe the good news that Christ has come. He has come as Savior to meet you in your sin in all of your worst moments. And he has come as the bright morning star to meet you in all of your sorrow so that you and I can know great joy. That's the meaning of Christmas according to the angel. Let's pray. Father, what hope we find at Christmas and in your Son. Thank you that there is no sin that is too great for you to forgive and there is no sorrow so deep that you will one day not heal. And I pray that none of us would leave this room tonight not knowing that hope, not knowing that joy, not knowing the God who offers it to us. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.